is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. One area of the country that's been the most strict, rigid discipline when it comes to the COVID regulations, the Bay Area in Northern California. Lots of masks and lockdowns. It was working so much that Marin County, just across the Golden Gate Bridge, eased its indoor mask rules a couple of days ago. But despite the discipline, cases are going back up again. We will get into why. The kids 5 to 11 can get their vaccines. Decision, though, up to the parents. We'll talk to a couple who say no. A mayor of a big city here in the U.S., very big city, tests positive for the COVID virus, but he's stuck in Scotland. We will hear from him on how he's doing and when he can come home. We start with the Bay Area and why cases are going up, even though most people are following the rules. Andrew Neumer, professor of population health and disease prevention at UC Irvine. So what do you think is going on up there? You know, we're seeing this not only in the Bay Area, but we're seeing this in, in European countries, which also have excellent vaccination rates in uh, the Netherlands and in Denmark. Uh, we're, we're just not at uh, that magical herd immunity level yet. And so uh, I, you know, there's going to be an uptick as the weather gets cooler and as the cumulative effect of uh, transmission among kids uh, starts to percolate through the population, uh, kids being back in school, of course, this academic year. And, uh, you know, we're going to see uh, more cases, uh, and I expect uh, before too long in Southern California as well. But, of course, I guess the key question that people want to have answered is, are we talking about uh, primarily those who are unvaccinated uh, accounting for this uptick? Or are we seeing more and more people who are fully vaccinated, maybe even boosted, uh, who are testing Positive, and are we talking about just testing positive, or, or are we talking about symptomatic disease? Well, uh, those that, those are excellent questions. The, I mean, the, the the confounding between testing positive and symptomatic disease has been, you know, with us since day one, and I've been kind of bemoaning that for a long a long time. I mean, we, what we call a case is actually a positive test, and so it's not always a symptomatic disease, and so. Uh, you know, with breakthrough cases, we're going to see, and there are breakthrough cases among among what we're seeing er- everywhere, but the breakthrough cases do tend to be milder. So we're going to see more of these cases that are actually positive tests that aren't uh, severe because the vaccines are are doing their job, even when there's a breakthrough case, uh, a case among a vaccinated person. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly recommend uh, all the listeners who uh, have received the vaccine but not a booster to, to avail themselves of boosters if, as long as they're eligible, uh, because it, it, it seems like it just takes uh, an additional shot to seal the deal uh, with, with this uh, virus and, and these vaccines, uh, potentially even more than one additional shot. But I mean, vaccinated people are having better outcomes. Um, we're seeing uh, cases of you know, much higher case rates. I was looking at some data from the Bay Area before this appearance. You know, we're seeing continually much higher case rates among the unvaccinated. So uh, it's it's a sort of a little of of each of the phenomena that you mentioned in your question. We can probably expect more of a rise through the winter, through the holidays, more mixing, right? But nothing like what we are used to seeing when we talk about surges and, and that kind of stuff. That's right. I mean, I'm expecting more cases uh, throughout the winter. I'm expecting more cases here in Southern California. Uh, not nothing like last winter. Thank thank goodness. Uh, less mortality, 
uh, and uh, be, because of vaccines, especially uh, now with uh, kids five to eleven being uh, or, uh, authorized, and not, not that, those, that those were a source of major mortality, but the, but they play a role in community transmission. Okay, very, uh, but, I, I, I want to just get in because we're going to run out sure. of time. A, a quick question: uh, In our next segment, we're going to be talking to some mothers who are uh, not particularly anxious at the moment to get their kids, their small kids, vaccinated. Uh, they want to see more results. They want to see all kinds of things. What would you say to those mothers? Well, uh, that's a great question. You know, uh, the, the kids who are eligible for vaccine are five and up, so it's not too small, but I, I understand some people are reluctant. As an epidemiologist, I would certainly encourage them to vaccinate their kids. I think it can play a role in protecting the whole family. Uh, I am against an, uh, any child being vaccinated without parental consent. So I want those moms to know that we epidemiologists are on their side in terms of, you know, respecting the the parental role and that the FDA and the CDC have poured over the trial data um, and found that these vaccines are safe and can play a role in, you know, preventing COVID spread throughout the whole household. Dr. Andrew Neumer, Professor of Population Health and Disease Prevention at UC Irvine. Kids 5 to 11 can now get vaccinated against COVID, while many parents will line up to get the shots. Many won't. But why? Are they simply anti-vax or is it deeper than that? Jillian Williams, a nurse and mom of four kids, resisting getting her 8-year-old second grader vaccinated. Deborah Kaplan, educator, doesn't want to get her 12-year-old sixth grader vaccinated. It's pursuing legal action to challenge California's COVID mandate for the schools. Uh, Jillian, let's start with you. What's the concern about the 8-year-old? Um, yeah, um, my eight-year-old's younger and very, a healthy, healthy child. And I just, I feel like I'm not ready for that. I want to wait. I want to see how things unroll. And I think that the issue for me comes down to more about my comfort as a parent and making that choice for us when we're ready versus the idea of a mandate and it being forced upon us before we're comfortable with it, or if and when we're comfortable with it. And when you go through that in your head, what's the difference between the eight-year-old and, and the other older kids? I mean, is it a huge age gap? Is the that the child is younger um, that has a lot to do with this, or, or or what is it? I mean, somewhat. She's six years younger than my next my next youngest child. Um, my two older children also it's a little more complicated in our family. So um, their father and I are, um, we have a little bit of differing views on it. Um, We're uh, divorced and he felt very strongly about them getting it. And both of them were on board with it and really wanted it as well. So I felt like at that point they were old enough. And also when that vaccine became available to them, I mean, we were still, dealing with a lot of collateral damage. I mean, it's it's complicated. It's just not black and white. So there were a lot of reasons. But at the end of the day, I really felt like, you know, the decision kind of was made. Everyone played a role in that decision with the knowledge that we had. And so that, you know, that was what, what happened. I mean, if, if I really had a choice, maybe right now, I don't know if I would have been as comfortable or willing to just allow my older children to go ahead and get vaccinated. I, I'm a little bit, you know, kind of like it it was a little bit out of my hands in a way. You're Um, vaccinated, right? Or no, I am. I am vaccinated. Um, 
again, that was not an easy decision for me. And Mm -hmm. I really had to weigh a lot of different things to, to come to that choice. Um, I'm not excited about the idea of having to now be mandated to go ahead and get a booster. Um, I really hoped that the vaccine would turn things around. I really believed, okay, we get vaccinated. We go back to our normal life. We go back to, you know, our children being free and unmasked in school and, and none of that's really happened. Okay, Jillian, stay with us, uh, and let's bring Deborah Kaplan into the conversation. Deborah, is is your uh, and and again, so that people know, you have a twelve uh, year old, right, who's in sixth grade. Um, Correct. Do you, okay. Do you have uh, an objection to the vaccine uh, for children of your child's age? Period. Is it an objection to uh, mandates? What is your your issue? Well, there are a couple of things there. Um, I mean, I have similar feelings to Julia. I'm not a fan of the mandates. Um, but, and ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm vaccinated. Um, and you know, my daughter just turned 12 a few weeks ago and I'm just not comfortable with giving her this and it being mandated and forced on her. And ultimately for me, there's two undisputable points. There's no long-term safety data on these vaccines. It doesn't exist. And the vaccine manufacturers have 0% liability for anything that happens. Um, So, you know, how, what, how is that, you know, if these vaccine companies are not liable, what is their incentive uh, and motivation to make it safe. Um, you know, and if you look at some of the, and I did this research, you can Google all of this information, but it took the polio vax 45 years to come to the market. It took the measles vax 46 years and hep B, which is the most recent, it's only 17 years for it to come to market. So but this it, is but an is emergency. Some of that, but I'm curious though, Deborah, I mean, is, isn't, yeah. is, is some of that though, because, you know, science has improved, technology has improved. And so, uh, I mean, it took it took a long time for smallpox uh, vaccines to, to be available because it was yes, it among did. the first. Right. So, I mean, could that be the the issue? Uh, not so much that the covid ones are inferior in some way because of their lack of longevity, but because it just took longer on the other ones because the technology wasn't there. Mm, I don't. I don't know if that's that. I just, I got, I'm just going to, you know, going back to there's no long-term safety data on these vaccines and I'm not going to, if my daughter chooses to put that in her body, look, when she was born, I really wanted to pierce her ears. And I know it seems minuscule, but I said to myself, you know what? It's her body and her life. And when she wants to pierce her ears, she can go ahead and do that. And yet she still hasn't done that. Now, when it comes to this vaccine, um, you know, if she said to me, mom, I really want to get it, then we would be talking about that, but she doesn't want to get it. And, and it has nothing to do with what I've said to her. It has to do with not wanting that in her at this moment. Um, and I support that. Um, Jillian, Deborah left us off saying no long-term data, uh, for the kids, but I mean, they did go through volumes of the information we have all the way up the scientific chain that we're familiar with now. And this panel of experts yesterday was saying, and they took pains to say, look, we're parents and we're grandparents and we have people in this age range, this group, uh, we're going to give the shots to them. Does that not change the calculus at all? You know, parent to parent because, because they've got skin in the game. Yeah, no, we all have skin in the game and we're all just trying to do our best to do what's right by our children. I I believe that, you know, I I just feel like our children are with the lowest risk group and they've sacrificed so much already. I I just, 
I don't know. It's like, we're, we're, we're using them to, to save, you know, all these other people who have the choice to go get vaccinated themselves to protect Mm -hmm. themselves and keep themselves safe. So why, you know, why do I have to further succumb my child to, to more of this when Mm -hmm. they're, they're safe, they're, they're doing okay. I, I don't, I, it doesn't align with me and I'm not comfortable with it. I'm definitely not comfortable with the mandate. Okay, De- Deborah, I, I think I heard you sort of agree. There were a couple mm, uh, yeah, yeah, with what Jillian was saying. But, 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 but <laughs> well, there's such good points. Okay, but, 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 let, but, but let, me, let me throw this out and, 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 and see what you think of it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yes, it is true. Uh, and we've had countless experts on, on this program from all over the world. Uh, and they all are in agreement that uh, for young children in the 5 to 11-year-old set, uh, they do get infected. But, yeah, they, they tend to have either no symptoms or minor symptoms. But, you know, you still have in this country uh, a couple of hundred kids who died, uh, others who are suffering from what they call long-haul COVID, and it's unknown what uh, effects it's going to have on those kids as they go through their lives. And what the the doctors and other experts that we've had on this show have said is, you know, there's a tiny risk, as there is with all vaccines, for a negative effect, but they say the risk, as small as it might be for young children, is still greater than the risk from the vaccine. Deborah? Mm. Well, <clears throat> that's that's uh, interesting. My Both my children did get COVID. They had COVID back in, I think it was January. Um, I'm also divorced. My ex uh, is on the same page with me and a little bit more you know, diligent about this, um, against this, um, both my kids, my daughter lost her sense of taste and smell, and they've had no issues or adverse reactions. They're both very healthy, knock on wood children. Um, and so I get it and I hear what you're saying and I hear what everybody else is saying, but I should be able to make the decision for my family and my child and not be mandated to have this put on me. And if this comes to play where, you know, they're mandating all of us. Um, I know lots of other moms and I'm not one to be a spokesperson, but there's a lot of moms at my daughter's school who don't want to, don't want to vaccinate, um, at this time. And they want to pull their kids and homeschool and have me teach them. So, you know, I'm not the only one on, I, I obviously is Jillian as well. Uh, sorry, Julia. Um, but Jillian, yeah, Jillian, sorry. I just That's don't okay. feel that, um, you know, this should be somebody else making this decision for my child. Have you taken it out, you know, mentally all the, through the steps to maybe the homeschool approach? I mean, are you willing to go with, if there are consequences, places that, you know, your, your kid can't go anymore or things they can't do because if there are mandates around, I mean, have you taken it to that conclusion and, and thought about what that would be like? Oh, yes. I've gone both sides. Um, my sister's vaccinated her daughter who just turned 12. And she's like, what if, you know, it goes bad and she gets, God forbid, my daughter, something happens to her. And I said, well, what if something happens to your daughter because you vaccinated her? I mean, there's, you know, I've, I've, I've weighed out both sides of it. And, you know, from my research, an average time it takes to bring a vaccine to market is 10 to 12 years. So if, you know, we are in a better position, of course, it's an emergency and, this has been a horrible, is still a horrible thing happening to all of us. Um, just not comfortable with that. I'm curious, uh, Julianne, uh, both you and Deborah have raised uh, often this uh, mandate 
uh, issue, uh, which clearly is an irritant to both of you. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. wondering if if the mandate notion were off the table, if nobody ever said a word about mandating anything, if that would have a, a major impact on your decision. Julian first, and if Deborah wants to tackle that, then by all means. Um, I I know for myself when I decided to get the vaccine and I thought down the line about ultimately it being available to children that it was not something that I was going to jump on. So I, I'm a, I was definitely always going to wait and see. Um, the mandate isn't, I'm not saying no, just because someone's telling me to do something. I don't believe that our children need to be vaccinated against this virus to keep this pandemic from exploding again. I don't, I don't think that that is necessary. We've already seen how much better we're doing. Our children are back in school. Yes, they're masked. Um, my kids can take their mask off when they're outside on the playground and stuff like that. Um, I could go into a whole thing about that, but regardless, huh. the, our kids are doing fine. They're, you know, health wise, we are, we're, our, our numbers are moving in the right direction. So, you know, now we're looking at kind of like the numbers that we see with the flu and the effects that the flu can have. And the flu, but the flu shot's not mandated. Um, so are they going to get the flu shot and have they had all their other shots up to this point? Cause I mean, were the, was there a problem with those yes. vaccines? Yeah, no, we've never knock on. We've never had adverse vaccine reactions in our family. I do know people close to us who have, I've, you know, I've experienced what, what that is like for people. I do respect that other people aren't vaccinating their children with other vaccines. But I do still think it's a right and a choice because the numbers as a whole, like in our whole you know, country, like we're predominantly are vaccinated, but there still needs to be room for people who can't get vaccinated or personally don't want to, or religiously believe that, you know, it doesn't align with them. So like, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, all these robots, we're all different people with different stories and different needs. So I think there has to be room for that. Deborah, we're going to run out of time, but um, real quick, final point to you. Well, here, here, Julia. I, I agree. I, I agree with Thank that you. big time. Um, yes. And on the same page with that. And, um, you know, I'm vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated. <laughs> uh, my children are vaccinated. Um, you know, and this is just something that is, you know, going to take some time to think about. And I what in terms of the COVID vaccine, I waited. I have 30 years in the field of education. I've seen all kinds of diseases come across my desk, children sick. And, um, you know, what I saw when I was in the classroom is I never saw transmission to child to child. I saw child to adult or adult to child. And so in the schools, I'm seeing my daughter's school, there's not a lot of COVID is happening right now. I'm not seeing kids coming, you know, testing positive. Um, and so I think moving forward, um, I agree. I think it's a bigger picture. And I really think we need to look at the people, who, the adults who are unvaccinated and let our children play and live and, and enjoy their, their time, you know, unfortunately masked, but uh, hopefully that'll shift. All right, Deborah Kaplan there, mother of a 12-year-old sixth grader, Jillian Williams, mother of an eight-year-old second grader. Uh, thanks to you both for talking to us. Coming up after this short break, the mayor of one of the country's biggest cities, hint, L.A., <laughs> is, is stuck overseas because of a positive COVID test. 
L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti is fully vaccinated, but he just tested positive for COVID. It happened in Scotland while he was at a climate change conference. Mayor stuck in a hotel might be there for several days. Uh, Charles and Brian Ping talked to Mayor Garcetti, asked him how he's doing. I feel great, actually. I feel very strong, either uh, jet lag because I was uh, here just for three days and ready to return tomorrow, um, or possibly, you know, a very mild case of COVID. So, I, I hope this is either a false positive or evidence that when you're vaccinated, you've got a lot of protection that reduces the severity of any case you might get in a breakthrough. So I'm feeling good. I'm ready to work. Um, I hope to fly home as soon as I can. But if necessary, um, I'll do it for nine days here from a hotel room and miss L.A. every day, but still put in the hours. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you, uh, you know, as you know, there's a difference between COVID, which is the disease, and being tested positive for the virus. Do, do you have any symptoms at all? And if not, what made you get the test? Uh, was it to come home? Is that it? Absolutely. You need a PCR test to come back in the United States and also to come into the U.K. So I took one about four days ago. And we've been testing daily here, but that's an antigen test. And they've all come back negative, including two of them this morning. Um, But yeah, I can feel a little bit mild symptoms, you know, maybe a slightly runny nose, a little bit of a scratchy throat. But I I didn't know if that was just the jet lag that I have, or maybe it's true that it is something of the COVID breakthrough. But luckily, I've been meeting only with people who are vaccinated. The protocols for them are just to you know, pay attention to your own symptoms. No reason to believe that that will uh, pass over to them. But we're following all the protocols, all the health guidance here, which uh, in Scotland mirrors what we have in Los Angeles. I'm curious, you're, you're fully vaccinated. Are you boosted as well or no? No, I was looking forward to it. I was a, a Moderna recipient, so it took a little longer for the Moderna booster to be approved. And I was looking, uh, I think you know my schedule well. There's hardly a Saturday I have off as mayor. I usually work the weekend. So I was looking for a a Saturday I could take off, so after the Friday shot, in case I, I felt a little something. But I'm looking forward to it in the next few weeks. Uh, e- even if this is a COVID case, um, I certainly will come back. Um, even if I have antibodies strong, I'd like to get them even stronger. So tell us again about the uh, the test that you took. You said it was a PCR. This is something that you had to take to come back into the United States. Was it the deep nasal swab, or, or how'd that go? It was both. It was both oral and nasal. Um, it, it, I've never had... I've had a lot of different tests over the last uh, year and a half, but it was the first time they actually swabbed both and put it in. So, um, you know, it was done uh, at a clinic here, I'm hoping to get another test tomorrow, um, and we'll see if it was indeed a, a positive uh, test. But we've been testing every single day, um, the entire delegation, and a very successful trip here, by the way. Uh, we'd wrapped up our business, and we're uh, excited to get back on the plane, and the rest of the delegation may go back, but I'll, I could quite possibly be here for up to nine more days. Now, you know, uh, regrettably, that there are people, when they hear that somebody, especially somebody who's known like, like you are, who are fully vaccinated and they test positive or they get a, a so-called breakthrough case, that you have people who go, ah, you see, that's why we don't want to get vaccinated, because what good do they do? So talk to that issue. Sure. I think the statistics couldn't be clear. I mean, when you ask me how I'm feeling, I genuinely feel very good. And I think that's probably because I've been double vaccinated. Uh, So we know the stats. You're going to have a much milder case. You're 11 times more likely to die from a breakthrough case or a case period right now if you're unvaccinated. And to me, that's the most sobering statistic. 11 times more likely to die or to be hospitalized. How many people do we have to lose before we say, okay, we know this works and it doesn't prevent every case, but it prevents people from dying, except in the very, very, very rarest cases. And um, to me, 
that's crystal clear. So thank God I'm vaccinated. If this is a breakthrough case, um, I'd hate for my family to suffer um, or for me to be hospitalized or something worse. And I continue to encourage people who are waiting. I think the evidence is very clear and in. Um, no vaccine is going to be 100% preventative of getting the disease, but it can prevent you from dying from it and is most likely to 11 times less. Mr. Mayor, does it concern you that you tested positive during a summit with the people from literally all over the world, prominent people at that, and there's the possibility that this could be going around among that population? It could be, but I think, you know, everybody has to be vaccinated here. So the guidance here is if there's somebody, for instance, that I interacted with, just check your symptoms, make sure uh, you don't have to quarantine once you're vaccinated, even if somebody close to you tests positive. So I think that what you have is, yes, a lot of people who are mixing together. So there may be some breakthrough that can happen. But, you know, if you look at the number of cases, it's 90 percent less likely you're going to get a case if you're vaccinated. So it doesn't eliminate it. But all the folks that are here are vaccinated. Um, they're much more protected. And if anybody like myself, if it turns out to indeed be a positive case, is protected from the worst ravages of this disease, which we've seen in family and friends and coworkers. Um, you know, I've had to talk to a lot of widows and widowers and parents and children this past year and a half. It's the, the most traumatic year of my life. And thank God that folks here are vaccinated, that I'm vaccinated. And thank God that, you know, um, that gives you a lot of protection. On the other hand, anybody who thinks this is done, and just because yeah. most people have got vaccinated, we don't have to think about this anymore. This is the season. Remember when it spikes up, it won't spike. And none of us expected to spike like last December and January. Right. But that was the deadliest month in L.A. history. That's the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti in Scotland. And thank you so much for taking the time, Mayor. Be safe, stay well, and we hope to see you back home soon. Thank you. I can't wait to be back in L.A., hopefully live and in person before you Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take, Take care. So you just heard us talking to L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti about his positive COVID test, but he's not the most high-profile person who has tested positive recently. Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers won't play in his team's big showdown Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs because he's out with COVID. He told reporters in August that he would be that he'd been uh, immunized, but it turns out he's not vaccinated. Rogers previously was denied an exemption from league protocols based on his antibody levels this summer. Now, he received homeopathic treatment from his personal doctor to raise his antibody levels and asked the players' union to review his status. But it was determined his treatment did not provide any documented protection from COVID. This is an Odyssey original. You can find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.